Welcome to Slaying the Sale, a podcast full of practical real-life sales lessons that you wish you learned in business school. Your host, Kyle, is a two-time best-selling author, creator of the Slaymaker Method, and in each episode, he and his guests will be answering the tough questions around sales, lead generation, and all things business to help you transform your sales mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Kyle Slaymaker. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slaying the Sale with Kyle Slaymaker. I am your host, who is just as awesome as I always am. Uh, Before I introduce our guest, who is absolutely incredible, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, I want to do some housekeeping items. So obviously, by now, you have heard the Jose Garcia episodes, uh, our three-week series regarding a buddy of mine that I was in the Navy with. Um, he has been confirmed. He is going to be flying out for the Slaymaker Method Success Summit. Uh, so you guys can all meet him there. Um, say hi. Tell him you love this story. Tell him how inspirational he is, was. Uh, he's, he's had some hard luck for a while. Uh, other than that, tickets are flying off the shelf for said summit, even though I gave it a nice happy tone there. Um, but listen, let's get right into it. You all know the info. You all know where you can get tickets. You all follow me online. Let's have some fun. So I am going to introduce the one, the only Michelle Fuller. So Michelle, introduce yourself. Well, thank you. My name is Michelle Fuller, um, but I I have a company called One Bold MF <laughs> because I do have the best initials ever. Uh, my middle initial is L. So if you guys say that like a word, <laughs> it just gets better and better. I am a transformation coach. I am a lifestyle engineer. I'll explain that in a minute, but I'm also a speaker. I love to share my own personal journey with people, particularly women, because I have really overcome so much. My journey didn't start until I was in my early 40s, so over half of my life. I just feel like mindset is the real flex. It's one of the things that I always teach. But I'm here to help women overcome themselves so they can live the absolute best life while they are here on earth. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. I'm like, when you said it started in your early 40s, my jaw about hit the floor because that is nowhere near close where I would have put your age at. So (laughs) you're you're doing something right. Um, So yeah, I mean, Michelle and I run in the same circles. We're both in Apex. Uh, She knows Miranda quite well. Everybody knows Miranda. Everybody knows Miranda. Um, oh, I, I love that girl. She's awesome. Um, so yeah, so so before we really really dive in, uh, Michelle and I have been trying to get this podcast recorded for uh, at least like three months now, mm-hmm. and it's just like shit got in the way between sickness and schedule and tech issues. Everything seemed to happen. So I'm so happy that so far we're still recording. Okay, good. No tech issues. We're good to go. Um, <laughs> But we got really, really excited because when I said, you know, we're going to do this today, uh, my son started gymnastics on Monday. So he's gone for the day. My daughter's down. So Michelle and I are excited because we have to say things like shit and fuck. So it'll be fun. Now, Michelle. All the fun words. Exactly. Exactly. All the words like you never want your kid to say, but every time their back's turned, you're like, fucking kids. (laughs) It never ends. All right, what do we got? Go ahead, drop, drop some knowledge. Tell us about what you do. Tell us why you do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 47, about, 
about five years ago, possible. I hit my emotional knees. This is really where it all started for me. I was twice divorced. I had just ended a relationship that had lasted about a year and a half, and it was about a year and a half too long, to be clear. My dad had just moved from Texas to Florida, and none of those things should have caused me the absolute pain that I was in. But when you've spent your entire life not dealing with your shit, sometimes it's just the straw that breaks the camel's back, and that was what happened. My boyfriend came over early in January after the holidays, and he just sat on my couch and said, I don't want to marry you. I don't know if I'm ever going to want to marry you. And for whatever reason, I finally took a stand for myself, and I told him that I didn't want to be with him either. Initially, you have that euphoria. It's the camel off your back, right? It's, it's the thing that you don't have to deal with, but less than a week later, I'm under the covers. I haven't showered in a couple of days. I'm in a sea of tissues. There's coffee cups everywhere. Mind you, I'm a single mom, right? So I still have to be a mom. I still have to do the things, but I am struggling, struggling. I hired a coach and he was just so pivotal for me. He finally pulled back the curtain on my bullshit. <laughs> he was able to take me back in time are known to help to me that. figure out where it started. Yeah, that's oh my god, man! You're you're hitting hard right out of the gate. You're just like <laughs> what I do. I I, I, I start with a joke, do. and you're like you're like I was fucked up for a while. Like <laughs> it it was rough, but finally we fixed it. I love it. Sorry, God. So one of the things that he had me do initially was talk about my childhood. I am a firm believer that the shit that we hear, that we adopt, the people that we are in our adulthood, in our adult lives. It starts in your, your childhood, all of it, all of it starts there. Most people go their entire lives, not realizing that. Thankfully, I had someone that helped me identify it. So this is what he was able to help me identify my beliefs, my confidence, my self-limiting beliefs. They all originated in the relationship that I have with my mom. My mom and I had a really toxic relationship. She was gorgeous. She was a force to be reckoned with. She was fierce. She was loud. She was very bold. A lot of those qualities I have. However, my mom used them in a really toxic way. So we did not get along. I never heard the words, I love you from her. I never felt seen or heard. And this continued throughout my young adult life. I tried to stay out of her way. She had a very fierce temper. She didn't know how to navigate her own emotions or feelings. My parents moved to North Carolina when I was eight years old. Shortly after we moved, my parents separated. My mom had an affair with a neighbor. Not just a neighbor, we lived in a cul-de-sac. He lived two houses over neighbor. My mom gets an apartment on the other side of town. My sister and I end up spending one week with her, one week with my dad. And that, for me, really changed our relationship even further. I was really resentful. I was full of anger. I was really bitter. I loved my dad. I could see how much he was hurting. 
she and I had a huge blow up one day. If you can imagine a 10 year old little girl, okay, who looks like little orphan Annie, who's very awkward, very shy, who has freckles all over her face, screaming at her mom, telling her that she's a bitch. I'm 10 telling her that she's an awful mother and then calling my dad to pack up my things so I can move back in with him permanently. Like I refused to see her. That's how bad it was. My dad comes and gets me less than six months later. My mom's diagnosed with breast cancer less than four years later. She dies. I'm 14. We never had the chance to make amends. We never had the chance to discuss what happened we just never had the chance to heal what was. So I went through life this way, thinking I was unworthy, I was unlovable. Um, I, I thought that um, you know my life was the way it was. I thought that I wasn't um, able to create incredible love. When you start there and you don't know why you're doing the things you do, you just keep on repeating it. It's like the universe led to spank me in the ass, but I just never got the lesson. And through this coach, he was able to help me realize that number one, I was attracting people to my life that were just like my mom. They treated me just like she did. Or I was in relationships with people who acted just like my mom did. And it was fucking profound when I got that. And I was able to change it. I was able to change what that meant. And so I did that systematically. So the, the door is <laughs> open there. What, what did it mean? So <clears throat> there are a couple of things that I did uh, right off. One of the things that I was a master at was not forgiving anyone for anything, for any reason. I was full of bitterness. I was full of rage. I was so good at being a fucking victim. I blamed her for everything. I blamed my ex-husbands for everything. I blamed other people for how I showed up in my own life. And when I started practicing forgiveness, and I mean practicing it, because people think, number one, that they shouldn't forgive someone because they're condoning their behavior, and that's not true. People resist it because they don't want to feel the emotion that's attached to the memory that they have to forgive, right? Because we resist it. We think, oh God, it's going to overpower me. When you accept it, you're actually taking your power back. And when I started practicing forgiveness with her, because she was my first heartbreak, think about it. She was my first heartbreak. Oh my God, it became so much easier to forgive everyone else. And I'll tell you something else. The thing that I'm very passionate about now is sharing my mom's story because my mom grew up with alcoholic parents and my grandmother was emotionally abusive. She was probably physically abusive. My mom married my dad when she was 17 to escape her little home. She never had the chance to heal her own childhood. And the relationship that my grandmother and my mom had until my mom died was full of bitterness, right? So I worked on myself because I was in so much pain, but the ripple effect has been the relationship that I have with my daughter. 
I was able to heal that trauma so I could be better for her. So not only am I better for my daughter, I'm better for all the women that see the change I've created, but I'm also better for my grandkids that aren't here yet. Think about that. Wow. I say good things come to those who wait. This is going to be one of our best episodes. It, it already <laughs> is. That, that was amazing. I mean, we're 12 minutes into uh into hit and record and you are just what else you got for me <laughs> I, I, I mean jesus how do, how do i top that how do i even ask something that could top that um i mean I, I i wrote down one of my favorite things you said in that and that was i blamed other people for how i was showing up in life um mm-hmm. for our listeners listen to that and, and i mean obviously listen to everything that michelle says but that specifically was very profound because I don't care what level we're at, and, and this is for a good chunk of people. Now, those of us that run in the same circles that you and I do, that kind of have that, that inner awareness, that emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of blaming that goes on. It's hard to not blame other people for how you're showing the fuck up. Right. It is absolutely hard. I don't care how big people get. They're still going to look every now and then and be like, that's fucking that idiot's fault. That's not my fault. Right. When it's their fault. 99% of it is their fault. So I, I guess the, the one thing I want to ask is what was your aha moment when you realized that you were blaming the others? Was it, was it just your mother, like specifically stuff that happened with her? Or was it more of like, you know, you were just walking down the street and you were thinking to yourself, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the light hit you. So that was something that came later on. The thing that I was reaching for on my knees was the release of pain. I didn't want the heartbreak anymore. I didn't want to feel the feelings that I felt in that pain, if that makes sense. I was so willing to do the work to forgive that I practiced it every day. I didn't realize what a victim I was in my own life until I took responsibility for my life. So there were three things that I did, and I talk about this all the time. It was practicing radical forgiveness. I'm going to use an analogy. It's one of my favorites. If you've ever seen the movie Scrooge, have you ever seen that movie? Oh, yeah. Bill Murray, baby. My favorite. Not that one. So the old. Oh, did you say Scrooge or Scrooge? So Scrooge. Oh, God. Yeah. Scrooge. I'm thinking of Scrooge. I'm thinking, I didn't. God, I feel like an idiot now. Thank you for making me feel like an idiot. Scrooge Uh, is the one I was talking about. Uh, So let's be really very specific because there's about 13 different Scrooge movies out there. But you said- A Christmas Carol. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Even up Jewish, I watched that movie. (laughs) (laughs) So the first ghost shows up and he is dragging chains. You know, his mouth is taped shut. He has these long chains, miles long. And some of them um, have cases that he's carrying and they're heavy. And you can tell that he is struggling to talk, to fly, to even walk, to have that conversation with Scrooge. Hello, that is what you were doing when you do not forgive your bullshit. Guess what? You think that because you 
shouldn't forgive or you don't want to forgive or that you can hang on to this angerness and bitterness that it's not doing anything to you but it is it is all there in your mind and you are taking it everywhere you go every single day it never goes away you think you're burying it but believe me when things don't go your way and believe me life doesn't always go your way that shit that you never deal with, it's going to show up. It always is. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to push back on you. Okay. In a fun way, in a fun way, because I, I think that is one of the best analogies I've ever heard to explain what you did so clearly. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that is perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and growing up, like nobody sees Scrooge, at least in our generation, nobody sees Scrooge and they're like, Oh, that's what that means. But you're, you're dead, dead on. Um, but it makes me think of another Christmas movie and it's going to like, you brought up Scrooge and me bringing up this one. If you saw it, it's going to be like, how the hell does this make sense? Um, have you seen the night before? Um, oh yeah. The party movie. Yeah. Exactly. Is it like with the, the guys or whatever. Yeah. Seth Rogen, uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Mackie and, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, I, I didn't pick this up until you literally just gave your Scrooge reference, but there is so much in that film it's like Scrooge without the, the ghosts, which mm-hmm. is really crazy because there's one character in particular that really has that evolution for just being like a total shit bag. Um, but like you see the, you see his progression throughout the film and you have the other characters kind of go through their own thing. And it's all kind of like that. Like you have to let go of the past. You have to move on to really go to where you're supposed to go to really go where you need to be. Um, so great. I'll never look at that movie again the same way. <laughs> I watch it every year for the laughs and I'm going to watch it and be like, Oh shit. This is deep. They're not just getting baked. They're learning shit. I like using analogies because I'm a very visual person. And I feel like when you can use a visual reference, it ties things together for other people. So they can mentally see what I'm trying to audibly tell them. If that makes sense. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I'm, I'm the exact same way. I love using visual. And it's, mm-hmm. I, I love using movie visuals too. Like I, I love, love movies. Um, I don't barely have time to watch anything anymore. Right. But oh. it's like before, before stuff really kicked off for me, I would do these, these movie reviews on YouTube and translate everything into sales and all the lessons that were in the movies. Um, but yeah, like, and movies, I think like, are such a universal thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I brought up the night before you brought up arguably the most famous Christmas tale that there is. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that's great. Like what, what better way to visualize like what you said, you're, you're telling them audibly than to show them through movies. I love, mm-hmm. God, I love it. Love it. I knew this was going to be fun. <laughs> Man. Wow. You just, you just also changed Christmas for me. One of those Another tie back. I think it's really important for that reference for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it's you can visually see what I'm telling you, but think about how he ended up carrying those chains and all those things. It was through the things that he did while he was on earth. And so he was carrying the sins of his past with him. And you're doing that while you're living when you refuse to forgive people, when you hang on to angerness and bitterness. I am so much better for my mother now than I ever have been 
And here's why. By me sharing my story, I also get to share hers. And the other thing that I want to remind the audience is this. My mom passed away when she was 36. I did not start my own journey until I was 41. So I have no right to judge a woman who never really got to live her life. And this is a message for everyone who has parents that you have a hard relationship with, or you've had something happen to you in the past with regards to your parents. Your parents could not have loved you more than they did. If they could have, they would have. And the sooner you can accept that, the sooner you can move on with your life. We can never give anyone what we don't have. It's impossible. You cannot give more love than you have for yourself. You can't do it. You cannot give something that you do not internally have. I can't pour from an empty cup. Again, I mean, <laughs> holy shit, this, this, is, this is amazing. This is, this is great. I mean, you're, you're right. Like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking of, you know, my relationship with my parents, which honestly, I mean, I think for, um, my, my mom divorced my dad when I was very like, like, I don't think I was even a month old. Um, and then they both remarried. Um, my, my stepmom has been in my life for, I, I mean, ever since I was like two, I think, um, you know, but the, I, I always felt so disconnected without realizing I felt disconnected. Um, and, I, and I think you're right. Like, even into adulthood, like my dad and I have finally, after 35 years, um, you know, started to address, you know, some of the issues that we had. And it's not like he was a bad father. Like, I, I had a great, great time growing up. We had little, you know, bouts of time where we wouldn't talk to each other or we'd get into arguments. Um, but, you know, that's, that's a really profound thing. Like, like nobody, you know, they, they could only love us as much as they love themselves. And we, like you said, like you didn't really know all of your mom's story until perhaps it was, or it was, I don't, I don't want to use the word too late because I don't think it was too late. You learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's a rule, man. You're, I'm impressed, Michelle. I'm impressed. What um, what's your favorite thing about what you do? I realized early on, after I had such an incredible coach, how powerful it is, how incredible coaching is, and how it really helps people become the people that they want to be. And I obviously coach women. It's really important to me to not only be a voice for women, but to be a voice for the woman who believes that she can't have the things that she wants, right? Because that was me. I was always super driven. I've always been fiercely independent, but I was always so unhappy internally. I always felt like I was selling myself short. I always felt like there was something else that I needed to be doing. It was that urge inside of me. And we so often believe that if we have the job, even if we don't like it, that that should be enough, that we should be happy with what we do have. And then it's like this pull and tug and fighting. And it's like, I I have this, but I want this, but I can't have it. It's all these things that we build up in our lives that we adopt so early on, like I did, that I'm trying to help change because I don't believe in limit. 
I'm way, way past that. And I hate that fucking word. Like, I hate when people are like, you know, glass ceilings and, you know, this is your limit. You can't do that. You can't be that. You can't have that. That's selfish. It's bullshit. All of it. It's all bullshit. So stop listening to people that tell you what you can and can't do because those people either are jealous or they don't think that they could have something like that. When I started being more of my authentic self, which is frankly fucking crazy because I love crystals, but I also love gangster rap, right? I get to have it any way I want. And that's what life should be. And the more and more that you let your freak flag fly, the happier you will be. Because I promise you, people will like jump to your yard or they'll jump out. And that's when you really know like who your people are, who your tribe is, who's there celebrating you. That's when you can truly be happy. And I think that the more and more you step into who you truly are and you're okay with people like dropping or coming to the yard, right? The more and more you get those experiences. Like I find the more and more I am one bold motherfucker, Michelle, the more and more people drop off or they come, right? And I'm okay with it. I've just like, I don't know if it's an age thing or it's just, you know, my progression on earth, but if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. If you do like me, I'm okay with that too. It doesn't make it a wrong or right thing. It just means that we don't align. Now we're really going to have fun. We're going to have like a fucking motivational coach off right here. <laughs> I love it. So um, first off, I, I don't think it's an age thing. I absolutely don't think it's an age thing. And I will give you a few examples, okay? I have a friend who is wildly fucking successful, wildly. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking 19 years old, has wow. already built and sold her first business, That's has great. already like four or five patents under her belt. She is a fucking killer. She's a killer. She's currently at Penn State. And the school's doing like fucking article after article after article on her. And she is one of those people that doesn't give a shit right. about what anybody thinks. Mm -hmm. She is going to be the way she is. And she just, I mean, she runs with it. She knows exactly what she wants, exactly what she believes, and she goes. Um, but I also know people that are in their late 50s, late 60s, that they still have those aha moments like, fuck it. I'm just going to be who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say what I want to say. I'm going to be true to myself at all times. I don't give a fuck. And yeah. when they have those moments, they're like, oh, shit, I wish I would have done this 50 years ago, mm -hmm. but I, I don't think it's necessarily an age thing. I think something has to happen and it's either, you know, you can go down nature versus nurture. Like you look at 19, like, how can you be, how can you have the experience to know to just be yourself other than being born with it? Um, but then you look at people, you know, at the other end of the spectrum and you're like, well, something has to had to have happened to get them to realize they need to be their true authentic selves. But you're absolutely right. Right. And we've all experienced it. Those of us that can sit here and just say, you know what, this is who the fuck I am. And this is who I'm going to be. We get the, the same thing, right? People either tell us to fuck off or people tell mm -hmm. us, holy shit, we want to be around you. Yeah. And I find more often than not, it's the people want to be around me. And when it, I do see people that block me or take me off of Facebook or call me a dickhead out in public or whatever, like I live for that. And it sounds fucked up, 
But I live for that because it shows me that I'm doing something right. And the thing that I'm doing right is being myself. Mm-hmm. I had a customer, not even a customer. I, I just, I gave her a free coaching session um, and she, we're friends today. Like she woke up this morning and I was like, whatever you fucking do, just go be yourself, go be yourself, go, go make your sales calls, but tell them exactly who you are, act exactly who you are. And I said, get back to me in two hours after you start that. And within 20 minutes, holy shit, I just close a huge deal by doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Because people want to work with somebody who's going to be fucking honest and authentic. If somebody meets me on Facebook and then talks to me on the phone and I'm completely different, they're not going to want my business. Right. I'm not going to want to have them as a client because it just starts off fucky. Yeah. So I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, there's so much that can be said and so much happiness to be lived by just being who you are. Yeah. Don't, don't hide fucking anything. Any, I mean, unless you like fucking ran over a puppy on purpose one day or something. Maybe, <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah. Maybe, maybe keep that to yourself. Right? But other than that, uh, just it's, it's, it's amazing, right? And I feel very fortunate that at the age of 34 or 33, when I started doing this is when I was able to say, I learned to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you'd probably say you're extremely lucky to, that when you, you know, had your early 40s aha moment. It, it just, it's such a liberating experience that everybody needs to try. And yours is brought on by your coach. And mm-hmm. I, mine was brought on by coaches. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. There's still a stigma around coaching a lot, but. Well, it. I, this is what I believe. I believe in woo woo. I really do. And I believe in work. And I think they go hand in hand. And I don't think you can have one without the other. Now, whatever your approach is, whether it's religious or it's spiritual, it's up to you, right? Because we all have our own journey. And I have no judgment around what anybody believes. I'm not religious. I grew up Southern Baptist. You can imagine the black sheep of my fucking family that I am. So I'll tell you who my first hater was. It was my dad, right? I started getting really passionate my posts are very authentic. I use a lot of strong language. I do not fucking apologize for it. I never will. Um, I blame my dad. You gave me these initials. It's your fault. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. That'll show him. <laughs> Treat me like the black no. sheep. Look at this. <laughs> so he sends me a text. He says, you know, you need to calm down. And my, my very uh, uh, strong dad voice, I can hear it through the text message. And I immediately want to shrink because I adore my father and I respect him so much. My dad is, you know, one of the rocks in my life, but I stand true to who I am. I love you, daddy. I respect you. I will always respect you, but this is who I am. You don't have to follow me. You don't have to be my friend and I will totally be okay with that, but I'm not going to water down who I am. And my dad likes pretty much everything I post. (laughs) Okay. It wasn't that offensive. My family. So I was born in Kentucky. You can imagine. And by the way, whatever you hear about Kentucky is pretty much true. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Fucking crazy, but they're all really religious. None of my family will ever like a post that I make. In fact, they probably don't follow me Initially, you feel like, oh, God, I mean, shouldn't you just love me for who I am? No, they don't have to. No one has to love you for who you am, who you are, and you need to be okay with that. And guess what? It is okay because everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to. There are no wrongs in life. It's just pulling back the curtain 
it's acknowledging, it's accepting, and it's asking why. Like, I'm a why person. Like, why? I want to know all the whys. I want to know all the reasons. And my curiosity is how I ended up here because I just became more and more curious. And I want to help women that I coach become curious. Why? Why do you think that? Why do you do that? Why don't you do that? My favorite question is, what do you avoid? Why do you avoid it? What are you doing to sabotage your life? Why do you do that? Because we all have the answers. Coaches just peel back the layers. That's all we do. We help you discover it. And then we lead you down a path to further discovery, aha moments, and owning who you can truly be. That's so interesting. I think I I may have had another aha moment. Um, So primarily speaking, without me designing it this way, without me going out of my way to attract these types of clients, the majority Mm -hmm. of the clients that I work with, especially in the first few years were, were female. Um, And, you know, I I would go in and credit to my wife, who is very patient when, you know, a woman's texting me at like 11 o'clock at night, like, Oh my God, what do I do? Like, uh, first I need to talk to my wife. Um, (laughs) But like, you're, you're right. Like I, I found myself so many times, like, okay, I'm a, when I started out, I was just a sales coach. Now I'm a full blown business coach. Um, but in order to, to fully have somebody be coachable, they have to trust you. Mm-hmm. Like they have to fully trust you and you can't just ignore 90% of the messages and only focus on the, the 10% of the sales and business stuff. Like you, mm-hmm. If you're a coach, you're a coach. You're never just a sales coach, never just a business coach. I do this with my male clients and, and stuff like that too. Like if shit's going bad, like if if what's blocking you from getting your sales numbers up is a confidence issue that stems all the way back from when you were fucking mm-hmm. four, mm-hmm. I got to go into that. Yeah. I, I have to. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll do it in the best way that I can. Sometimes I'm gentle. Sometimes I'm not so gentle depending on the client. I have one female client who is like, like fucking yell at me if you need to. Like, all right, cool, we'll do it. Um, but I've never had to because she's always been, and I'm somehow getting a phone call in the middle of a Zoom call. <laughs> all right, let's, there we go. That was a fun little uh, excursion there. And now I can't get us back. There we go. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's so interesting. Like, I, I just... I've had so many experiences like that. My, my one friend, he was a, he was a coaching client of mine. Um, and we ended up talking and he just sat there and like bawled in front of me for hours because we just had to unpack so much shit. And by the end of it, the next day, he was back to making money hand over fist. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crazy. Like that's the kind of the world. Like it, I, I, I would wonder if like there's any coach that wasn't a black sheep in their family. Right? Like, I feel like it takes a special breed of person to be able to, to one, do that and two, want to do that. You know, I'll say something about your coaching clients. So that speaks volumes about you. It was probably the first time that he ever felt safe doing that. And you gave him the space. His girlfriend was in the room. His really? Girl, his girlfriend. Well, was you, you held the space for him though. He, yeah. He, he yeah. even said it. Like he, I was, I was looking over at her cause it, it was getting really deep. He was a, he was a Marine. 
Um, he was getting really deep. I mean, he was like six, eight, over 300 pounds. He looked like Thor. His arms were like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was there like bawling, bawling. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking over at her and he just goes, this is the first time she's heard any of this. I was like, oh, okay. All right, well, let's keep going then. But yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Michelle. No, no. I mean, I just, I think it speaks volumes about you and the space that you held for him because I was the good girl. And by good girl, I mean, I followed directions really well. It's why I'm really coachable because I'll do whatever you tell me to do if I trust you. But that's not always There's the key a, word. Huh? There was the key word, trust. Yeah, yeah. So I did exactly what I was told. That's a great thing. And then it's also a bad thing. And I'll tell you why it's a bad thing. Growing up, because I was always told what to do and because I believed whoever told me that, it confined me. It stifled me. It made me shrink. It made me conform. Because I trusted people so much, I'm highly empathetic, highly empathetic, very driven, very empathetic. I almost have like two opposites of the spectrum value-wise, but I just so believed whatever people told me about myself. Can you believe that? Like we all do it though. It's like people tell us who we are and we're like, oh, okay, then I'll just do that. And I did that my whole life, you know? I mean, I got married at 21, or I'm sorry, I got married at 20, had my son at 20. So my, my son's 25. So I have a 25 year old and I have a 16 year old. Um, that was my first failed marriage. And then my daughter's, my daughter's son was my second failed marriage. I got the boy, the girl, I got the little family, but I so believed that I could only go so far. And I believed that if I only went so far, it had to be in a safe job. And I believed that, you know, in order to be in a relationship, it had to be hard because that's what I saw. And I believed that everything had to be really hard. And so I made it really hard. And I brought everything to my life that was hard. I believed that I could only have certain things if I was a certain way. I mean, it's just all that shit that we just pile on, all these beliefs. And we never, ever realize it because we never take time to ask, why the fuck am I doing this anyway? Like, why the fuck do I believe this? Who told me this? And were they someone that I want to be like? I always tell my daughter this. Because my daughter is very edgy. She does not color inside the lines at all. And I have always allowed her to just be who she is, right? Because I don't want her to get stifled. I don't want her to conform. There's just too much brilliance inside this girl. And I always go, when somebody tells you who you are, what you are, how you should be, I want you to remember something, darling. I want you to ask yourself if you want their life. Do I want their life? And if you don't want their life, then do not listen to them. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's absolutely, that's good parenting right there. If, if anybody out there is ever wondering how they can be either just a good parent or a better parent, listen to what the fuck Michelle just said, because that's amazing. That mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing. I have three kids, it's almost 17, four, and almost, well, she'll be two next month. The two-year-old by far is going to be the problem child. I can see it in her. He, what is it about mine too? <laughs> she, I'm, I'm telling you, Michelle, like it, within the, like we all have, those kids always have moments where you're like baby, 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 mm-hmm. infant, infant, toddler, all of a sudden, fuck, personality, there it is. Yeah. Right. And it, we're seeing hers in the past week. Like all of a sudden her vocabulary is kicked off. 
she's i mean attitude everything i'm like oh my god i'm so screwed i should have said we're not having another one i should have i should have done it um <laughs> my my four-year-old very much so an empath very much so if if there is an energy in the room he is that energy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no matter what mm-hmm. um my 16 almost 17 year old uh i got full custody of her when she was 14 and her, her mother's a very good mom um but she was very much a follower, mm-hmm. very much a follower. And so I finally put my foot down. I was like, I'm not raising you to follow. I was like, I'm raising you to be who you want to be. I said, if you want to be a follower, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But I know the gifts that you were given and I want to see them flourish. And I was like, mm-hmm. if you don't agree with something that I'm standing for, tell me. If you want to stand against me for some things, do it fucking smartly, but tell me. And, and it's funny, like, she'll, I can see this like progression, like at 14, she got in trouble on her phone and she's like, I'm not ashamed of my music videos. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, all right, you're, you're going to be the next Britney Spears kid. Um, and, and then it, she stopped that. And then like, I started, that was like the first progression. That was the first time she ever really stood up. Um, and then since then I've watched and it's been this awesome progression because she's not a, an inside the lines girl either. Mm-hmm. And, blossoming into this incredibly awesome young woman who's incredibly communicative who has no problem calling me an asshole when i need to be called an asshole um i know like my, my parents are gonna listen to this and be like she does what <laughs> yeah yeah she does um but like that's that's the important part because so many generations before her including mine we were kind of on on either end of the spectrum right so i had one parent who my father, um, he was a truck driver. My grandfather was a truck driver. My father started his own business. He was an owner operator and we had a great life growing up. My father did not finish school and he built a very, very, very successful business. And we had a blast growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, But because his father was a truck driver and he became successful as a truck driver, it was kind of expected that I would go into the family business. Now, I knew as soon as I could understand what truck driving was, I didn't want to do it. I never had any, and he'll tell you this, I never once said I want to be a truck driver. I never once said I wanted to be along in the truck with him. Nothing, right? And then, you know, that kind of created this this separation between us. As much as we both didn't like it, there was still a separation there. Uh, and then on the other side, I had my mother who was like, pediatric surgeon, that's going to be you. That's going to be you. And I'm like, my God, I, where do I go from here? Um, and then, you know, finally, I just realized like, it's, I need to go where I want to go. And it yeah. worked. It worked. So it's, it's amazing. Like, it's amazing. We have all these different dynamics. Um, and I think as parents, the, the, you know, it's almost cliche, you know, we want our kids to have a better life than we did. We want our kids mm-hmm. to grow differently and, and better and bigger than we did. But, you know, at the end of the day, we just got to, I mean, we just got to say, hey, you got to go be who you want to be and I'll support you, whatever that is. That's, that's yeah. how I do it. And I love that you're pushing her to just be herself. You know, you don't want her to go want somebody else's life. You want her to want her own life. I love it. Oh my God. Michelle, I want her to question the here. fuck out of everything. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. That's what yeah. I always tell her. It drives me crazy, right? Because I'm her mom. It's super frustrating trying to raise someone who questions everything, but at oh, the same time, terrible. 
I don't want to send her out into life. So, I mean, my daughter just moved in with her dad, right? She's getting ready to start her senior year. She just moved in with her dad. And that's like a whole nother story. But the first thing that people assume is that she and I have this relationship that is not good and nothing could be further from the truth. My daughter and I are very, very close. This was her decision. She wanted this. And guess what I did? I supported her because that's what a good mom does. I allow her the freedom to choose. That's what I do. And I don't hold her responsible for my happiness. She is not responsible for my happiness. She's not responsible for my feelings. And I told her that over and over and over. And that's so true because I want her to go through life and be unapologetic for how she speaks and what she does, as long as it's in integrity with her own self. Oh my God, Michelle. Because we are responsible for what we say and do. We're not responsible for how, for, for how other people feel about it. Exactly. We're not. Oh, oh my God, I love it. I, I love it. You, you and I should write a parenting book. I mean- <laughs> That's amazing. I, I love it. It's, it's just like, I, I look at my son, you know, and he's, he's at that, he's four, right? He's at that age where just, you have no clue what's going to come out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. It's really inappropriate. Horrific. The Target story was great. Oh yeah. Which, which, uh, was that when my daughter shit all over me or was that the, are you thinking the grocery store one where, oh my was God. it the grocery store one where yeah. you pinched him and he was like telling everybody. Yeah, he was like screaming, screaming through the halls of the grocery store. You pinched my penis. Please don't pinch <laughs> my penis. And then I was like, you shut up. Like, what? oh, and people were coming up to me, talking, like glaring at me and bitching at me, telling my kid he can tell me to stop. I was like, I'm going to, I swear to God, I'm leaving this kid here. I'm leaving him here. Um, but on the flip side, right? Like, he is the sweetest, most kind hearted kid. Mm-hmm. Like, so much more so than most adults are mm-hmm. like um i have i have a song that I, I always listen to whenever i'm thinking about my little brother who passed away and my my son doesn't remember him um he just knows like that's the song i listen to when i'm i'm upset and when it's on the first thing he says is daddy it's okay we can go build a rocket ship and go see uncle benny and i was like oh right like, like I, you have those moments when your kids say stuff and you're like, oh my God, this is what it's all about right here. Um, you know, so I, I'm so excited to see what he becomes. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I don't want to guide him in any other direction than wherever he wants to go. Yeah. Like that's, that's the only thing. Everybody says, what are your dreams for your kids? With Faith, it's, I just hope that at this stage in her life, when she goes to college and she's 18, I don't have to worry as much. Mm-hmm. I hope she doesn't have to call me and say, dad, I don't know what to do in this situation. With my four-year-old, it's, I just want him to be whoever it is that he wants to be because he is awesome. Yeah. With my two-year-old, it's, I just hope she doesn't kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my daughter is, so my daughter is, uh, she can't wait to get like tattoos everywhere. And this doesn't surprise me at all. She's the same kid that taught me a lot about how life doesn't have to be perfect to be lived because I'm a recovering perfectionist. And my daughter would show up, you know, she would get dressed in the morning and she would have like on really crazy colors, nothing matched. I mean, there's some plaid going on. There's probably some stripes. There might be some sparkles. And then there would be tennis shoes and socks that didn't match. And I would always go, don't you want to change? That was about me. That wasn't about her. And the more and more I resisted who she was, the more and more she pushed 
against me, right? Um, so when I allowed her just to be who she was, life became so much easier. And of course, I got to see this like blossoming kid. The thing that I don't do is save my kids. So I have a safety net for both of them. My son is 25, so it's a little bit different, but I allow them to fail. And that's really hard, really, really hard as a parent. But listen up, if you don't let your kids fail when they're under your roof, they're going to be in for a world of hurt when they get outside of your house. You've got to let them experience what failure feels like, and you've got to encourage them to overcome it. Because so many people operate in the confines of failure. They either try to avoid it or they fail and they stop. And there's nothing that is more painful than that because your best life can be lived by your willingness to fail and to overcome it and to keep going. That says that's the only value. That's all it is. Yeah. That's that you're absolutely right. I, I mean, and again, one of the most liberating things too, and I think you would agree, and I, I think you probably tell your clients this. I know I tell mine this, like you get to a certain point where you realize, just like you fucking hate the word limits. I, I hate the word fail and I'm not mm-hmm. going to be stupid cliche and be like, that's the F word. Um, but really like there's no such thing. There, mm-hmm. There's nothing. When you realize that the only way you can truly fail is if you do not try. Mm-hmm. Or you give up. You can't fail because, because I know I tell every customer that I've ever had, especially the ones that are like wanting to take a leap from, you know, I, I had a customer who's now a partner. Nell, she was a C-suite level exec. And she quit cold turkey, went straight into entrepreneurship, night and day. Mm-hmm. And she was terrified. She would call me on the phone, just crying. I don't want to do it. I said, Nell, you can't fail. Like, no matter what happens, Kenny's still going to love you. No matter what happens, you're going to be fine. You have a husband that loves you. Mm-hmm. You have a home. That doesn't go away if, if you fuck something up down the road. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I didn't look at it like that. I was like, I know, nobody does. Everybody thinks failing feels like shit, but really failing is losing the people that have your back. And it's, it's just, it, it also gives you so much confidence. Like I know my wife will never leave me and I know I would never leave her ever. Mm-hmm. So I have the confidence to go out and put on the events and do, you know, I, I have the confidence to go be myself because of her, mm-hmm. because she fell in love with me for, okay, let's be real. I lied for like two years to get her. I, I did. <laughs> I, I want to absolutely put it. It's like the favorite story she tells every time. She's like, how did he win you over? And she's like, he fucking lied. He absolutely lied. But, and I did. Oh my God. Oh, I, I barely drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't watch wrestling. I didn't <laughs> video game, right? Everything. I did all of these in like a five minute period. Right. <laughs> right. It's, but, but by then she was hooked. She was like, I guess he really is an asshole. What do I do now? I, I love him. Yeah. Um, but it's just so you know, and looking back again, like we just had that, that talk about being our authentic selves. Like mm-hmm. how would our relationship have been those first few years? Well, whatever. I mean, I, I still, I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't watch wrestling. She's like, you fucking go to events, Kyle, just admit it. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. Uh, but like how, how much better were those, would those years have been? Not that they weren't great. Had I just been like, yeah, this is who I am. Yeah. Now I don't know if I could have pulled that off. I don't know if I could have pulled her off by being, who I really wasn't, especially I was a fuck up back then. Um, but it's just amazing the confidence that you have when you realize the worst thing that's going to happen if you try is you're going to learn. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're either going to learn about yourself, you're going to learn about the world, you're going to learn about business. 
whatever it is, like all you need to do is try. I wouldn't, you and I, neither of us would be sitting here today if we didn't just say, fuck it, I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. And that's important. So please, any, any last parting words of advice, uh, Michelle, we're definitely going to have you back. I mean, uh, you and I had fun. I know it's been awesome. So this is what I would tell anyone um, who has questions about personal development and self-help. Um, when you step out on a limb, okay, if this is new for you, whenever you try something new, whenever you start the journey towards the person you believe you want to be, you're going to have a lot of shit come up. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care how successful you are. Anytime you change the game on what you're doing in life and you dream bigger, you start something new, you're going to have all of this shit bubble up to the surface. And you're going to think, oh God, like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. It feels so uncomfortable. It's meant to feel uncomfortable. That's when you really get to know what's been hiding your entire life. So don't resist it. Be available for it and acknowledge it, and then start asking where it came from. And that, that is where the, the gold in your life is. Now, it never goes away, by the way. It keeps on showing up. But be open to it. Be available for it. Be willing to push past it. And I swear to God, like, if you can pass, if you can push through that initial bullshit, you're unstoppable. You'll never be able to go back from then on. I promise you. This has been an absolutely incredible episode. Michelle, I'm sure the audience is dying to know how to get a hold of you. So where can they find you? So you can uh, follow me on Instagram at onebold_mf. I have a website, onebold_mf.com, Or you can email me at michelle at onebold_mf.com. DM me. Let's get in touch. Yeah, that definitely. For anybody out there that has you know, resonated with what Michelle said, you got to reach out to her. She's amazing. Uh, and I mean, there's a reason we run in the same circle. So Michelle, thank you from the bottom of my heart. This was a lot of fun and I cannot thank wait to see what the future holds for both of you and I, cause we've got to figure something out. You are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an All honor. Right. Yes. Bye. All right, everybody. I will see you next episode. Thanks for joining us this week on slaying the sale. If you're interested in knowing more about Kyle, make sure you head over to his website, theslaymakermethod.com, and pick up a copy of his best-selling books. Then head to Facebook to join his private group, Slaymaker Sales Mastery, to become the number one salesperson in your company. And until next time, remember to keep slaying the sale.